welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi. Is that my Jackie Reed? Yes, it is. Oh my God, the lovely Jackie Reed. We haven't gone out in, in, in I think, years. It's been years. It has literally been years. Wait, I'm trying. I think. To... Go ahead, get yourself together, sweetheart. Yeah, I'm just trying to. My dogs. I got one dog here in the chair. Yeah. One dog over yeah. here. They're so spoiled. Oh, I like your. So background. cute. Well, thank you. Oh, how you beautiful! You're always. I always love looking at you. He wants to say hi. Dad wants to say hi to you. How you doing? Good. His face is blocked too. by these boxes. I can't see his face. Wait, scooch Tom, over. There you face, are. Too. Aww. 22 Aww. years. It feels like 2200. Shut up. You never mean it. I love it. I Listen, love uh, too. Uh, you're so cute. You know, I think the last time that you saw us was at the townhouse when we had Brad's party. Yes. I think that was the last time. I don't think we went out to dinner after that. We went out uh, before. We didn't. I think the and last time we went out to dinner was at, um, oh, what's that seafood? Uh, yeah, it was Noble. Was it Noble? Nobu. Yep, I'm it was Noble. We went to Yeah. Boy, how times have changed. So I just want to introduce Jackie Reed, who is an Emmy Award winner, a veganista, which is what you kind of call yourself. My friend, yes. you're a television and radio personality and the co-host of NBC's New York Live, Red Carpets, and Celebrity News. Yes. And more. And there's more. I know. I just... What? No, no. That's and I know there's a list of, yeah, that's the gist yeah. of it. But I know there's a lot more. I mean, you really kind of are all over the place, which is terrific. I mean, I love the fact that you really spread yourself. You never seem to like get bored. You kind of venture out into new things. It's almost like you say yes to a lot that you believe yes. in and you do it. Multiple you don't get intimidated. Yes. So I want to know what made you get into journalism? Because, I mean, that's, that's a question I think, you know, you're a young, beautiful woman, and I think that people watching you think, oh, this looks like kind of an easy gig. I, you know, I should do it. You know, everyone seems to think that maybe it's easier well, than maybe what it is. You know, I, I got started in journalism early on. Um, I was encouraged by my teachers to lean into English. You know, I was a really good English student. I was a good writer, and I, I really... Um, excelled at that. And so there was this push to write for the literary magazine, this push to write for the school newspaper and to give, you know, the speech at my graduation, elementary school, not high school, but right. still, still, you know, yeah. there was encouragement from teachers. And so I just kind of, and, and it goes to show you what difference it can make when you have teachers who believe in you and who support you. Um, because those comments, that encouragement stayed with me. And so when I got into high school and wrote for the school newspaper and I just, a part of me wanted to be a veterinarian because I loved animals so much, but then I really said, you know what, I should be a journalist because I was so passionate about speaking out and finding out information. And yeah, it's true what you say. A lot of people look to someone like a Wendy Williams and they think she's a journalist, right? That's not journalism. That's more gossip. Um, and, and even Wendy will admit to that. You know, journalism is dealing with facts. It's reporting. 
it's, you know, getting credible sources, getting information. It's not just saying, oh, I heard about this and saying it as if it's truth. It's if you hear about something, you know, a lot of us, here's the difference between um, a journalist and a non-journalist, non particularly on social media. If we were to, you know, I'm going to use somebody who's dead because I don't want to make someone dead. But let's say, you know, when Whitney Houston um, died and the first place I heard about it was on social media, someone tweeted it. I automatically, before I would tweet or comment, retweet that or comment about it, I went to news sources to make sure that it was true. Right. And that's what a journalist does. It, you, you operate differently with information. And that's how I am. A lot of times I'll debate with my friends or someone with, when somebody says something that's like out of left field or just something that I don't agree with, I'll say, well, what's your source on that? Like, where did you get that information? You know, what is that based on? And I will say that about you that is really, uh, it's a nice compliment, is that you're a lady. I will say you act like a lady. I know that you have strong opinions, and I know we've talked about dating. We've talked about men. We've had conversations about everything, even the business you're in, which I know is not easy all the time. No. And you always remain a lady, and I try to pull that crap out of you. But you never, I could never get it out of you. I mean, that's really, you know, inbred. That definitely comes from, I think, your upbringing. So I want to ask, did anyone ever discourage you maybe from going into journalism? I mean, I know that the money is, is known to not be, I don't know if people know that, but it's not like you're going into, you know, acting and making movies. And so there's not a lot of money in it. It's kind of almost like, you know, kind of a selfless thing where you got to get up at the crack of dawn. You got to be wherever they tell you to be, report the news, report it without bias. You know, it's a hard thing to do. And the only, I guess, good part about it is just looking beautiful and being on TV every day. Did yeah. anyone ever say, you know, Jackie, maybe you should go back, maybe you should be a veterinarian? I had a teacher in high school who told me um, I was never going to be a success. I was never going to be successful in, in anything. Journalism. He was oh, in, journalism. in journalism. He was mad because I can't remember what he was upset with me about, but you I sleep with him. <laughs> no, I was a kid. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Oh. Nobody get offended. No, no, no. It was, you know, I can't remember what I did as a staff reporter um, for the newspaper, but I don't know if I turned something in late or I mean, but I was in high school, you know, I was a cheerleader. I was on the gymnastics team. I was all in love with boys and, you know, so maybe I, I wasn't probably the most focused student. And so I think that his reaction to something that I did, I mean, it was minor. I didn't turn in something or was late with something was, you know, you're never going to be a success at this. And he meant specifically, you know, journalism because it was, he was an advisor for the newspaper. And I, that comment stays, you know, stayed with me. But, um, you know, and there was Do you want to give his song. name? Do you want to give his uh, name and say oh, hi? Mr. Baker. Mr. Baker. Mr. Baker. Hi. Now, have you ever seen Mr. Baker before? Have? No. No. But no. I'm sure he has seen you either on TV, on the red carpet, somewhere. I'm sure he's seen you somewhere. I mean, you've done so many things that I'm sure he's I, seen you in. That's a pretty broad statement to tell a kid. I think it's, it's cruel. A, it's a cruel thing to tell a kid. And, and it wasn't like, uh, I think we have to be careful how we speak to young people in general, particularly if you're in the role of a teacher, Right if you're in the role of helping to shape who that young person is to become, you have to be careful the, the words that you use. You really have to be careful about that. Um, I never had a chance to confront him about that. 
but I remember it to this day. And then I had a teacher in, and when I was in graduate school in Northwestern, a professor who didn't necessarily say anything specific to discourage me, but she said something to me that hurt me. And, you know, I was one of two black women in my graduate school class. There were 10 of us all together. It was a very small group of us that, you know. Can you tell us what she said? Yeah. Um, Our assignment was to watch a Sunday morning talk show and to write, you know, write something about it as if we were writing it for a newspaper. So when you write for news, you have to come up with a clever lead, you know, to bring to, you know, you've read newspaper articles to bring people into it. You have to sum everything up. Lure them in. You've got to lure yes, them you've in. you got to lure them in. I came up with something brilliant. I wish I had saved the paper. Um, but it was, I, I compared this show and it was the McLaughlin group. Remember that show back in of the day? Course, bye, yeah. bye. I used to love watching um, that show. But um, it was, I, I, I watched it and I wrote something that I thought was amazing. It was something that had to do, I made comparisons to eating at a cafe and ordering something off the menu and I had certain items, but it all related to the show. And so I stand up in class and I read it and I'm so proud. And my teacher looked at me, the professor looked at me and said, where did you read that somewhere else? Where did, where did you get that? Did you copy that from some, something else? This is in graduate school. I was humiliated because, and I was embarrassed. And How did you I, answer that? How do you answer that? I didn't. I was, in, I was too embarrassed. I didn't say any. I, say, I said, no, this is, I, I came up with this. And it, she was kind of like, mm, okay. But the fact that she asked me that question, you know, put probably in the minds of some of my classmates, Mm, I wonder if she did copy that. She probably did copy that. Jackie didn't come up well, with her she, own work. She can't even, you know. It, well, she it, discredited you in front of yes, everybody. Yes. Yeah. See, another cruel. See, you know, it's funny. My kids go to school and I say they're only six years old. And even in kindergarten, I always tell the teachers, thank you. Thank you for what you do because you need to mold the minds of these kids and be good to them and they're so patient. And with everything you're telling me scares me for the future because you come across one bad apple and you're such a successful, beautiful woman. And yet you still remember these things. Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I really do. I mean, and it, it, it which means it stays with you. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to ask you, do you, I know you do a lot of journalism. You do a lot of interviews. Do you have a favorite? Because I've watched you, you know, I always tell you when I'm at the gym, I'll mm-hmm. see you. I'll, I'll be like, oh, there's Jackie. And I see what you're wearing. And you always look beautiful and flawless, which we'll get to later. I'd like to know about your clothing. But I notice you always look great, but you're sometimes interviewing celebrities. Sometimes you're doing journalism. Do you have a favorite? Favorite celebrity or person that I've interviewed? No, no, a favorite. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer journalism and and reporting? Do you prefer interviewing? I actually prefer, I'm not a fan of, I, I watch a lot of news, but I'm not a fan of covering politics and covering news. That's a grind. It is a 24 7. Mm hmm grind and I'm not that passionate about news and politics to put in that kind of work what I prefer dogs are gonna bark here what I prefer yeah what I prefer is more of what you're doing more conversations um I like discovering stories the journalist in me likes discovering things that are happening like this story that you may or may not know about, but some people listening to this may know about, and that is, come on, guys, really? And that is... Don't they know mom is working? 
don't think her mom is working. It's like, why are we in this room? <laughs> so go ahead, continue. Okay. So I was saying what you were saying, now that I lost my train of thought. I, oh, this story um, about efforts to make the Apollo Theater a Broadway house so that anything that plays at the Apollo can be considered for a Tony. And I think I was interviewing Lynn Whitfield and in researching the interview, because she is about to star in a production that will be directed by Felicia Rashad. Leslie Uggams is in It's like all these. I love sharing these kinds of stories. Like I want people to know the history of the Apollo and why that could be an incredible thing for the Apollo theater to become an official Broadway house. I love those kinds of stories. I love stories about people and, you know, just incredible people in their stories. I like kind of dealing with that more than the day-to-day grind of news and politics. Because as you know, based on this administration that we have, every day is something else. You never sleep. And I have friends who work in that industry. They're exhausted. They are exhausted. I can, because of what I do now, I can turn the TV off, turn my phone off. I don't have to be on call 24-7. It is a grind. And a lot of people just look at the glamour of it. Oh, I'm on TV and all, but no, it's it's a grind to be a new cover politics. But you've had some major celebrities. Like, what are some of the biggest celebrities you did interview? There've been so many. There've been so many. I know. I, I mean, there have because I've watched you and I've seen also you've interviewing celebrities that I always felt were flirting with you. I don't know if it was my imagination. Oh. I remember one time texting you saying the guy that one time this was before your relationship that you're in now. But I remember texting you saying, "Oh." he's cute or what about him? He looks like he likes you. And then you just responded, well, he's gay. Uh, who was that? Who was I don't that? remember. I got to look I back know. at my phone. I don't remember who it was, but I remember telling you, I think there was a spark there. This is oh, before your relationship. Oh, I have to think about that. No, I mean, you know, it's so funny. I was interviewing um, Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock, years ago, years ago. And um, he was at this school in Harlem. And so I went to the school and it was a a big um, kind of pep rally they were doing with these elementary school kids. And so I, I, I went, I covered it, we got all the video and I went to interview him. He could not be nicer. He's such a nice person and very, in the moment, do you know what I mean? Not over rehearsed, like he's very authentic. I I adore him and everything he does. And I remember leaving there and calling one of my girlfriends to go and meet her. And um, she was like, and I was telling her about, oh, he's so nice and he's so cute. And she was like, well, did you ask him out? And I was like, no, I I don't, it's like, I don't, I look at it as a job. I do not. Your girlfriend doesn't know you. I know you, your girlfriend doesn't know you because I know you better than she knows you that you'd never ask a guy out. Thank you. Start with that. Would never. Just for anyone listening out there, Jackie would never. She is a lady. She'd stay home and, you know, cry quietly in the bathroom if she had to. Yeah. Rather than, yes. And I respect that about you. No, I would not do it. But yeah, I look at it as a job. And so I never, I never try to be open to flirtatiousness or I, I try not to flirt myself. I mean, when I, I remember interviewing um, Idris Elba on the red carpet one year. And I remember seeing him from a distance and I'm, you know, part of this show. So we're live. And in the commercial break, I was looking at, I made eye contact with his manager and I was like, 
you know, like, please bring him over, bring him over. (laughs) And then he was getting ready to walk by where I was standing and his manager or whoever was with him was like, you know, let's, let's go over and talk to this young lady. I'm telling you, I don't remember what I asked him. I remember one thing. You were nervous. You were actually nervous. I was nervous, butterflies. I was like, here's this man that I worship standing in front of me in all his fabulousness. And I was just like, I don't know. I, uh, hi, I don't even know what I said. I got and through this it. is your job. How amazing that this is your job. I know. You Who got on your nerves? I want to know which celebrities or which interviewers were difficult, rough, wouldn't answer, or just not easy interviews. Did you have any that were tough or that got on your nerves? Aside from me right now. Oh, you're the best. I'm trying to think, like, who was just, you know, I remember interviewing Lawrence Fishburne one time, and he was just rude. He just wasn't nice. And so I've never really been, even though I do admire his work. His work um, is great. He was probably still in character from the Tina Turner movie, Ike Turner. He was probably still in character, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> so. He was so good, he got stuck into that character. Maybe so. My One of my friends who also had a difficult experience with him where he called him Larry and Lawrence said, you know, don't call me Larry, call me Lawrence. And so he, we call him now, uh, Lawrence, don't call me Larry Fishburne. Like that is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, listen, everybody's allowed a moment. He was not nice in that moment. I've never been face to face with him again. I've seen him do other things. He may, I do say this, everybody's entitled to having a bad moment. God knows that I have had bad moments. And sometimes whether you, ha- you got in a fight with your, um, your partner, whether your mother's sick, you know, a lot of times when you, it's kind of like the show must go on. You have to kind of show up, but you never think about before an interview what someone may be dealing with. So I kind of give people a little bit of grace in that department because you just never know. Sometimes people just just are having a bad time, a bad moment. You know, like I've been interviewing a lot of celebrities via Zoom and sometimes people come with energy that's just, you know what I mean? They're not excited to be there, right. even though we're helping you promote what you're doing. Right. But we're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and a whole racial uprising. It's like people are allowed to kind of be a little in their, in their moods, I guess. Well, you know what? I think that is very gracious of you. And I think a lot of people can learn from that. I think if people gave a little leeway to everyone, I think yeah. maybe the world might be better. But yeah, getting back now to the pandemic, how did you stay so perfect? Like I've, I've watched you on TV, like, Come on, you had people sneaking in under the, like, under the radar doing everything or no? I mean, I, I know you because you're naturally, this is all natural anyway. So sweet. But, but I'm saying, but there had to be something. How did you stay looking so perfection? You stayed looking to perfection. Let me tell you, that is very kind of you. Thank you. You know, I have a great wig maker. So A. Wait, that's I, a wig? This is a wig. Yes. This is, let me tell you right before, let me give you the backstory. Yeah. Right before the pandemic, in January, I cut off all my hair, cut it all off, and I wanted to go natural. So I wanted to do my natural curls and everything. So my hair was like, like to my scalp, like short, short. And because I didn't- Wait, how long ago? How long ago? This was in January. This was in January. Okay, so when I knew, when we used to hang out, your hair was straight. That was your real hair. Oh yeah, that that was was my hair. That was my hair. So I decided I wanted to go natural and it took me like two years to actually do it because 
the biggest thing that I didn't want to do was to go on TV every day and have a different look. And for black women going natural, it's such a transition. Like it, under this wig every day, I'm trying a different product. I have, I have a, a virtual hair appointment after this with a hairstylist who's going to teach me ways to style my hair because I'm still learning. So I didn't want to go through that on camera. Um, yeah, I, that's cool. I, I kind of get that. I kind of have a consistent way about me as well, the way I dress, the way I look. Yeah. Everything is kind of consistent. I don't like dressing in themes. I don't, you know, I'm not a cowboy one day. I'm not, you know, businessman the other day. Pretty much I like my uniform and to stay kind of the same. Yeah. Do you dress any differently when you're not working or is the style that you have when we see you on TV, is that the same as when you're not on TV? No, I kind of like, <clears throat> you know, I love dresses. So whether it's a, you know, a kind of flirty summery dress, like the one that I right. have on now, or it's just a simple sundress, or it's just something like I'll put on a little short dress to go walk my dogs with some sneakers. Like I love a dress. It's just easy. It's just one piece. It's easy. But other than that, I, I'm, I'm, I really am into like street style, you know, but I like to to give my street style a little bit of flair. So I have on like some vegan leather joggers and a high heel, you know, cute little stiletto, you know, with maybe a hoodie, you know what I mean? Or something like cute. that, and some funky earrings. Like I like right. to kind of mix it up a little bit. Right. So yeah. Do you have any pet peeves? Any pet peeves in fashion that you don't like? Um, clip on earrings <laughs> are like the worst. Don't you have yeah. pierced ears? I do, but these were so cute. And I was like, cute. they were so cute. So I was like, let me get them, but they have a shelf life. It's like, I can't wear them that long. Um, okay. I do, or do I have a pet peeve for what I wear or other people? No, in general, if like you see a woman wearing something, do you have any pet peeves, like flip flops in the middle of the city or, you know, I don't know, see-through leggings, does anything, you know? No, I, I really so don't. Good. Again, I don't have any pet peeves. This I don't really goes have any back to the classy Jackie Reed. <laughs> for people to put in some effort that's all right i just I like agree. this style style is you know it's a, it's a very unique thing and i i like for people to put in some effort particularly if they're a celebrity i like my celebrities to show up you show know what up, I, mean? yeah. I like them yes. to, you know not that they have to i i just like that i like I like to look to celebrities for inspiration of what I can wear and how I can wear it. So I like for them to, you know, when they're going to the airport, come on now, show up. Give me something fabulous when you're going to the I airport. like that. Good. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. yeah I agree with you. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I don't mind a lot of, I don't mind any looks, but I like a style. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I like for somebody to have a little bit of style. I, you know, yeah. I feel like we're getting at a point that after this pandemic is really completely over, people are going to be basically walking around in pajamas. I mean, that's what scares me. It's like, I don't want to see that. You know, yeah. I don't want to give people a reason to feel like, oh, yeah, it's okay now. You know, everybody's got to be casual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used to, I, I think, be more, I, I used, I mean, you're in this industry. So, you know what I mean? You are, you are fashion. So, I get that. For me, I, I mean, I, I just want people to just you know, just not lose their minds. I'm just so right. worried about the state of this country. You're so cool. When we did a segment together for the very first time on Madison Avenue in the shop, and I remember saying, you know, can I, I said, can I, you know, put a pair of shoes on you? Can I, and you lifted up your arms. You said, dress me, do whatever you want. Like you were so cool, so confident and so open-minded. And I will say, I love that about you. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I love to play and I trust you. I think you have such impeccable style and you just have a good heart. Um, Thank you. That's so nice I knew I would take great hands. Well, that's nice of you. I know that also you've gone through a lot of dating. I just want to give girls a little bit of, a, a little bit of advice. Yes. Because I know you've gone through a lot of dating and you are very, I love your glasses, by the way. Those are so cool. <laughs> this is my serious look. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Is that why you put that on? Oh, I get yeah, it. Let me get serious about dating. Yes. You need to get serious about dating because I think people, men and women, I mean, women and men also need a wake up call on what it is, you want, you know, what it is like to date. Yeah. Now, especially during this time where people are not really flooding into bars all at once, more people are yeah. going online. How do you see this going? Because I know we've had pet peeves. I mean, emojis, you know, guys would send you emojis on the phone. And this was years ago. You're like, what are you sending me champagne and flowers? I, I mean, that. I'm here. Send me the champagne and flowers, not the emojis. What kind of, right. This is not a way to win me over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh my God, I was just having a conversation recently with a girlfriend of mine on IG live. It's like, she was on IG live and I popped on and she was like, join me. And we just started talking about, you know, Bevy Smith. We just started talking about relationships and just what women are doing right and wrong. And, you know, she was giving me credit because I've been in my relationship and we live together and I've been in it for, for how long? How long five has it been years in October? It's been. Okay. So just so you know, I know you want to be personal about it and I totally respect that. So do you want to tell everybody who he is? No. <laughs> okay. But I will say it's juicy. He's a gentleman. <laughs> Let me tell you, he is a gentleman. He is a man's man and so charming. And the few times that I met him, I mean, he couldn't have been lovelier. I will say oh. that. And I think you guys are a great match. We really are. We really are. I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how we have not had like a major blow up since this whole pandemic when he's been working from home and I've been working from home and it's just really, it just really speaks to how well matched that we are, how good we fit together. Yeah. So it'll be five years in October, which is crazy. It has flown by. It really has. I know. I know. And um, I know you've done a lot of dating before that. Do you have any advice you want to give to people? You think you would do things different in dating? Would you have cut men out faster? Would you have given, given men more, uh, more of a chance? You know what? You know where I am right now with all of that? And I think this is what led me to my relationship with my boyfriend now, is that I actually became more open in that before I met him, maybe about you know, up to two years before I met him, I was very much about, I want to get married. I want to have kids. And if he is not looking for that, I'm not looking for that. I don't, I don't want to be with him. And now I say to my girlfriends, be, just date. You're not responsible for this man. And, you know, as long as he's not breaking any laws or hurting anybody, you know, if he, uh, you know, lives out of town, if he doesn't have a, a particular type of job, if, you don't have to marry him. Just date. Just go out, not just with any old body, but just go out and just enjoy the company of men. Like what I did was I was dating like about five guys and all of them knew that it was nothing serious, that I was dating other people. I wasn't sleeping with anybody, but I would go to dinner with this person, go to a basketball game with that person, go to a museum with this person. And it was just very open. And I think that 
it, 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 you know, because that's what a lot of men do, right? That's what of a lot course, of men yes, do anyway. Yes. And so it opens me up to not say, because what women, here's the mistake that women make. They'll meet somebody, they realize that they like him. Maybe they think, you know what? He's good husband material. And already they're monogramming towels, right? They're already seeing the wedding. They're planning it in there. They might not say it out loud, but they're planning it. And I say, release yourself from that. Go the friendship route because early on you're getting that representative. You're not, and they're getting a representative. Not only do you want to give it time and let it breathe so you can see if you like him, but you also want to give it time to make sure that he likes you actually authentically you see, you know what I mean? Because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic with wigs off and everything. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that is great advice. What you just said, we're on the same page as that. I agree. We're on the same page when it comes to that. I believe in dating, giving people a chance. Yes, you have to be attracted. I'm not saying you go out with everybody that asks. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I'm saying you give people a chance. So if, you know, you don't like his hair or he has a little belly or he came in sneakers, you go out. All these things can be changed. The quality in a person doesn't change. Everything else can change. Yes. What advice would you give to the men that have maybe kind of either led you on or, you know, done you wrong in any way is there anything or any men that hurt you like what advice would you give to some of the men because my what i say is that men that are lingering around for years dating like i have a girlfriend and she you know will find meet a guy on match let's say and then he'll disappear and then eight months later he's back on match trying to ask her out again and i always say never go back if they're still on a dating site eight months later they're not serious they're just shopping yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think I didn't, I don't think I especially don't think you go back. You know, if you give something time, if you let it breathe, then you'll know whether or not that person is a good person or not, whether or not right. they're capable of change. If someone has hurt you in a big way or repeatedly, I I don't go back. I don't go back. You know, and I don't I don't think that women should. I mean, I think that but again, if you spend the time getting to know someone before you're having sex, before right. you're exclusive, before you're this is my man and I'm his woman, before if before all that, keep them in the friendship zone. That way you're not they don't have the ability to hurt you because you're dating other people. You're doing different things. Yeah, I would say to men, I would say don't lead women on men have men know like i've dated men in the past who will intentionally early on start talking about marriage because they know that that's what i they knew at the time that that's what i wanted right so they'll say what kind of wedding would you want if if you and i got married or you know if you or when you and i get married we're gonna live in this kind of house you know men who do those types of things early early on when they have no intention, they're just feeding into what they think you want to hear. I'm, I, I, I would tell, um, I told men that I've dated in the past, stop, don't, uh, don't talk about, unless there's a proposal that's about to right. happen, don't right. talk to me about marriage. I don't Take think they should talk about it anyway. Even if they think they're going to marry you, they shouldn't talk about it. I do believe yeah. silence is golden and you need to just show by example. You don't need to say things. Mm-mm. Show by example. Be nice. Stick around. Call back you know, be available. That's how you show someone you might want to marry them. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I do think that though, I do think if a relationship is moving in a direction 
where marriage could be on the table, I do think that there should be a conversation before a proposal. I do think that you have to talk about where you want to live, whether or not you want to have kids, whether or not you want your mother mother to live with you when she gets older. Do you know what I mean? Um, of course. Whether or not you want your kids to go to private school or public. Whether or not, you know, I mean, I think that there are a lot of conversations that people don't have. And that, again, goes back to getting to know the person. You know what I mean? Whether or not you're for abortion or not. You know what I mean? Do you want to how many kids do you want to have? Like, there are basic conversations that people don't have before they end up in these serious relationships that could end up in marriage. And it's like, and that's why a lot of marriages fall apart. I because agree. you're, you're I discovering the person. Marriage should not be, you should be discovering that much. I know when you're in a relationship like that, every day is about discovering something new. But the basics, you should have covered. I agree with you. And not only do I agree with you, but I'm going to go a step further. And I know girls that have, you know, led privileged lives and, have, you know, and I've had housekeepers. And I say to them, you know, listen, before you go so fast with this, why don't you try to find out where he is on your lifestyle? You know, find out that if you do have a baby, are you going to be able to get a nurse for two weeks to help you? You know, maybe he's totally against that. You know, like what, you know, I'm not saying to have that on the 10th date, but the more you go out and the more you talk, I think there needs to be dialogue about where he's at and where you're at. I agree with that. And I've actually given that advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I can't tell you how many couples, like I had a girlfriend, I think I told you about this, who was dating a guy and they got all serious. And then it just dawned on her. I think she didn't take him that seriously when he said he didn't believe in God. And then it just dawned on her that she couldn't date anybody that didn't believe in God. And I was like, right. you didn't know that before you got serious? Right. See, I but mean, don't you think it also comes with wisdom, which is why I love to ask women like you. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't ask a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old, even a 30-year-old. But, you know, you've also done so much work on yourself, which is what I love. And you spoke about it openly. You were never, you know, you never kept it a secret. You were never shy. You were never you know, embarrassed. You always shared everything with the public, which was terrific. And you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of experience under your belt and a lot of wisdom. So I yeah. really think that people listening ought to listen to what you're saying right now, because I think it says a lot. Well, people used to tease me. Friends of mine used to tease me. Oh, you're so picky. What's wrong with you? I would say, oh, I broke up with so-and-so. Well, what's now what's wrong? I would get that kind of reaction from people, from people. But I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was looking for. I knew that I didn't just want someone to, to be with. I wanted someone who was right for me and someone that I was right for. I wanted, you know, I would be dating somebody. And then the next time at one time and the next time I talked to you, it was over. Because I realized that this is not going to go the distance. And the distance doesn't necessarily be, be maybe marriage, marriage, but it means about just something serious and a situation that I can be happy in. You know, I enjoy being happy. But my friends would tease me all the time. Oh, you have such high standards. One of my girlfriends told me, you should get off your high horse. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't think that I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having standards and sticking. That's not helpful. Anyone that says to you, you need to get off your high horse, yeah. that is not a helpful comment. That's no. not helpful at all. There's no good going to, you know, nothing good is going to come out of a comment like that. No, no. I mean, I have some girlfriends who are top executives, you know, some of the most successful women in the game, and they make the worst decisions when it comes to men out of loneliness, out of, I want to be able yeah. to say, well, me and my man and my man, you know, get used to get comfortable with being by yourself. 
first and foremost, do the work. Like, do the work on yourself so you don't need to have someone. You know what I mean? Because that soulmate stuff, it may be true, but it may not be true for everybody. And so what if you, what if there is a soulmate for you and you never meet that person? What are you going to do? Settle and just marry whomever so you can say you got married? No, every, there's not somebody for everybody. Even if if there is somebody for everybody, you may not meet that somebody. And we need to stop filling women's heads with these fantasies of, oh, I have to get married and I have to have kids. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just have to be happy. And you just have to try to be the best you that you can be. And just let these fantasies and fairy tales of Prince Charming riding up on a horse go. Let it go. Let I it agree go. with you. I agree Let with you. Go. I agree with you. <laughs> I you're going you to talk to... You're going to talk to Grayson when she gets older, because I agree with you. And I do believe there's more than one soulmate for everyone. I don't like, I mean, not that I don't like, I don't want to say I don't like, but I don't like. I don't like when people profess their love in their soulmate. You know, you hear on TV, all these celebrities, oh, I've met my soulmate. We're in love. We're getting married. The minute I hear that, which is why I respect you, you've never said anything about you and your boyfriend that you've been with for five years. You're quiet. Your actions show everything you don't proclaim this deep love and you know we're soulmates together the minute i hear that i'm like i give it six months i still tell brad when i still tell brad listen when it's not fun see you later you know i still tell him that meanwhile it hasn't been fun in what 10 years but yes it has been shut up but you know listen we're together a while but um but yes but you know what i do understand is that if we ever did split up i mean we're not we're never going to split up but i'm saying like if we did He's going to be with someone in two seconds. I'm grumpy. I'm cynical. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm the one that's going to be annoyed. Yeah. Listen. I'll be annoyed. He'll. There are no guarantees. People get together. They break up. You cannot stake your entire happiness on a relationship with someone else. God forbid something happens that all kinds of things can happen. So you have to do the work on yourself. You have to make sure that within that partnership, you're fulfilled. You can't, you know, a lot of women do this. They spend the early part of their careers or early part of relationships. Even my older friends do this. They'll get in a relationship and they see a project. Let me help him with this. I'm going to help him build this, you know, uh, it's the worst. do that. You put in all that and sacrifice in your sleep and everything else, you know, so you're trying to, no, let him get that on his own. He's a grown up. His mother has raised him. He's not your child. Let you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Maybe we'll come together on something. Maybe not. But he needs to have his own thing. Nothing drives me crazier than seeing a man attach himself to a woman and her purpose. Like his job is now her manager or that. Right. That's crap. You know what I mean? It's like, I, uh-uh, don't know. He needs to have his thing. You need to have yours. And you yep. need to work on being the best you that you can be. That's what I women don't get. They think that they're uh, supposed to be. Listen, I need a wife. I need a wife. You know what I mean? I need somebody yeah, to I need a wife. and do the laundry and cook and all that. I totally get it. I totally get it. I say the same thing. Me and Brad together 20 years and I still say I, I need a wife. I complain <laughs> to my sisters. I need a wife. 
I feel like, you know, it's hard. Both of us, we don't want to do stuff. But you're right about what you said about men kind of infiltrating themselves into their women's lives. I mean, going back to Wendy Williams, I mean, that was another example. I know. I mean, that was another example of somebody talking about keeping your man and keeping your man. You know, I didn't watch her often. But when I did at the gym, I remember her saying, you know, keep your man. And then you find out that whole fiasco that goes on and, you know, your heart breaks and you have to learn a lesson from that. You need to learn a lesson. You need to take your time, like you said. What's Sherry Shepard saying? You know what I mean? That disaster of a marriage that she had one, and she talks about it, you know, she and I are friends. But, you know, for her, it was learning the hard lesson. But er, when you talk to her about early on in their relationship, right, her giving up a first class seat um, so he could fly in her seat because he was tall. What man does that? Who lets his woman fly in coach? While he flies in first class. What? Okay, pause. So now you're telling me Sherry Shepard mm-hmm. gave her seat. Let's let the audience or whoever's listening to this know. Yeah. Gave up her seat, her yeah. first class seat to a boyfriend because yes. he was taller, which I don't fault her for that. I fault him for taking the seat. Who does there that? There you go. What she may offer, that? but he, what man? What Takes man? Takes him up on that offer. Yes. And she's Sherry Shepard, for God's sake, at this time, on The View. And she's in coach while he, who is he, is sitting in first class. No, you take the L. You sit in coach. Or you don't go. You have your own life, so you don't go. Or you you buy your own ticket. And if you you can't afford it, you don't go. Right, I agree with you. But you know that that whole flight, I don't know where she was going, but you know that whole flight, her blood had to have been boiling. She probably had no one to talk to, and she was maybe so angry at the fact that he was there and didn't say, no, no way. No. See, I I guarantee, I don't know this for certain because I didn't talk to her about that specifically, but I know her. She's a pleaser. She's a pleaser. You know what I mean? She's a, let me me take on a project. Let Let me uplift my man. Let me make my, let me help my man feel like a man. Right? I mean, she'll tell you. He didn't. She didn't want the big wedding. She had already been married. He wanted a huge wedding. And who paid for it? She did. She paid for it. I mean, come on. No. He should have been like, you know what? We can have a small wedding if that's what you want. You know, I'm not saying you have to get out there and only marry somebody who's a multimillionaire. But what I'm saying is you need to have someone who respects you, who appreciates them, and respects themselves. Right. Respects themselves enough not to make you give up a seat in first class so they can sit in first class. No, no. I think also I think women need to respect themselves. I think that if that's what you're saying is that women need to respect themselves enough that you don't have to give up either your money, your seat on a plane to keep a man. I think. You yeah, shouldn't have to give up anything. You shouldn't have almost to as give if, up anything. You know how like when a woman, when a man cheats on a woman and the woman always gets mad at the other woman as opposed yes. to the man? And I always say to myself, but you didn't, they didn't have any allegiance to you. You were not married to the woman. I mean, they have no allegiance to you. You're so angry at the wrong one. Not that they wouldn't be angry at their husband, but all their anger comes out to the wrong person. Yeah, I and they like forgive the husband. They're, mean, they're swinging around him to get to the woman. And I'm like, you need to go home and change your locks and put them out. Right. He's the one that had the allegiance to you. He's yeah. the one that had the loyalty, not that strange woman. Yes. It, it's like so you it, need to deal with the man and say, you know what? If that's what you want, have, have at it. 
But women are so afraid of being alone. They're afraid of losing, you know, their husbands or their boyfriends that they make that sacrifice. And you, a little bit of, you lose a piece of yourself every time you forgive someone who is not deserving of your forgiveness, right? Where automatically they're like, oh, I'm sorry I did that. And you're like, okay, but really deep inside, you don't want, you're not ready. You're not even able to process it. Right. I think a little piece of you just, you lose a piece of yourself every time you, you do that. Yeah. I agree, I agree with you. I think this needs to be, um, you know, talked about more. I think it definitely needs to be talked about more where yeah. younger girls, younger women coming up need to know, you know, that there needs to be a certain kind of graciousness from men to, you need to expect a gentlemanly, you know, response from men, even if you're being nice to them, you yeah. can't just, you know, I think it's fine to test them. You know, I've told my nieces, you know, test them you know, offer to pay for the check. I want to see what they're going to say oh because God. you know, right, right. Cause you know, right off the bat, if they're letting you split a check with them, you know, in my head out, if they're taking you out on a date in my yeah. head out. I, I told you about the guy that I, I don't know if I told you the story, this guy who flew to New York um, for some conference. And so he wanted to go out. Did I tell you about this story? You told me, but tell it, tell it to the listeners. Go ahead. And so he comes from the airport and I, I leave work early afternoon. So we met up at this place to have like a little bite to eat before we went out to dinner later that night because he had just come to town. We hadn't, he lived out of town, so I hadn't seen him in so long. So I'm like, let's just meet up and have a cocktail and just have a little lunch. So we meet up, I order champagne. He says, well, I don't drink during the day. I didn't know that, but I was like, okay. And I ordered like a little salad or something he got like uh, some beverage. It was non-alcoholic. But then the check comes and he did pick up the check. But then he asked me if I would leave a tip. And I was like, no. Yeah, here's why my should tip. I do that? Don't ask me for money. Don't That's ask me tip. for money. And I was like, why should I do that? We're two grown ass people. And he said, well, I just don't want to spend all my cash. And I don't know. He said, I just don't want to spend all my cash. And I said, can't you go to an ATM and get more? What? Like, is this all of your cash right now? I was like, no. I remember this story and respect to you because I hope he learned a lesson after that. Well, after, I hope that, after that, he learned a lesson. Not with you, because I know that was, it was dead on arrival. That, that whole thing was dead. Yeah. But I hope he learned for the next woman. Well, there were some other, like there was another, like we went to dinner. That was a disaster as far as how he handled himself in that situation. And I'm a patient person, but I was just like, mm-mm. And so the next day I told him, I said, you know what? You and I are not meant to be together. And, and he was like, well, why? I said, let me tell you, it just, it's just not meant to be. But we can be friends. We can be cool. He was upset by that. And we didn't talk for a while. And then a couple of months later, he, he lived out of town. He invited me to meet him in L.A. for a wedding. He wanted me to be his date. So already I knew. I said to him, okay. And I was like, well, who's getting married? Oh, this buddy of mine, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, are you paying for my plane ticket? He said, no, but he said, I'll pay for your meals and your ground transportation when you get there. I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to spend my money to fly across the country to go to a wedding of someone that I don't even know. And he was like, you know, when you put it like that, that makes sense. I'm like, you think? Why am I going to pay for a ticket to go to LA? Why? These men, it's like, come on. No, no. So what's your message to men? 
don't be fucking cheap. If you don't like a girl, don't, don't be cheap. Don't be cheap. Don't be cheap and don't lead women on. Be yes. honest about be honest. what your intentions are. If you're not sure, if you're seeing other women as a lot of men are early in relationships, ladies, that chances are they probably just talked to some girl before they walked in to have dinner with you. They're seeing what's out there and they're trying to decide if you're the one. So that's another reason to go slow. So I say to men, say, don't make it seem like this is it. This is the only thing that I'm doing. And don't be cheap. It doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of money, but if you take a woman out on a first date, don't ask her for money. And until you're in a serious relationship, you know, wine and dine her. Cook dinner if your money's tight. You know, be creative if, if your money is tight. Doesn't mean you have to be some baller or something like that, but have some respect for yourself and for the woman. Don't go out there expecting for the woman to pay for things. And women, I see so many women talking, this debate comes up on social media and women are like, I don't mind paying for a meal. And I'm like, you sell yourself short. It's like- It's not about the money because they're not realizing- it's yeah. like, you know, it's a chance that could work out if you give it up on the first date, but there's, it's less likely to work out. It's less likely. If you sleep with a man too fast, it is less likely to work out. I don't care, care how many romantic comedies or whatever you see if somebody's sleeping together and then they end up getting married down the road. Chances are the odds are against you. So don't you think it's also setting precedence? If somebody doesn't mind paying for a meal for a man, or if somebody doesn't mind giving up their seat for a man and the man takes it, or they have sex too quickly with them, don't you think it's kind of setting precedence for the yes. man? To, it's it's a, a terrible idea. Went through this. I have a girlfriend who went through the exact thing. They were out. She decided since, um, I don't know, he came near where she lived that she was going to pay. And then the next time something happened and she paid. And then as they continued going out, she started to resent the fact that either she was paying or splitting it. And I'm like, why are you mad? You set it up. You're the one that set the precedent. Why were you paying in the first place? Well, you know, it's funny. I remember my first time I ever went out with Brad, and I'm going back over 20 years ago. I was in Botino Restaurant in New York City waiting for him. He had just come back, I think. Yeah, we have to go. Okay, anyway, so we're going to talk later about that because I need to see you. So I go to Botino. He had just come back from London. I think he was modeling at the time, and he had just came back, and he was going to school, Pratt. And I remember waiting at the bar for him, and he was one hour late. He didn't have a cell phone. I had a cell phone. And the only reason why I stayed at the bar was because I was actually having fun. You know, the bartender was cool. We were talking. So I couldn't care less if he came or not. But he wound up showing up an hour late, which I couldn't believe. We had dinner. And then when the check came, he didn't even reach into his pocket. And I remember things like, I don't care because I pay for everyone or anyway. I, I mean, I really do. I, you know, my friends, girls, you know, not guys, friends that are guys. Usually everyone puts their thing down. If they don't, I'll pay. But he didn't even reach in, and I remember that really bothering me, and I brought it up with my, um, with my shrink at the time. And my shrink gave me very good advice. He said, you know, Rich, you pay for everyone around you. That gives you nothing anyway. No relationship, no laughter, no, you know, you complain about most of the people you pay for anyway. Give it a chance. And, you know, it's funny. I did give it a chance, and I told yeah. him it turned me off. You know, and he said, well, you chose the place. I had just gotten back. I didn't have money. And, you know, little by little, it kind of, you know, I molded him and cracked the whip into exactly what I wanted it to be. He's giving me the finger right behind there. He's giving me the finger. 
But um, yeah, so I get it. I get it. Like things do bother me and you have to kind of put things in perspective and understand that if you let things go, and I think especially for women more than anyone, because I think that, you know, as I always say, and I, I think people are going to hate that I say this, but there are so many more men than women. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, the other way around. There more are women. so many more women than men. Yeah. So I feel like men take advantage of that. So women always feel like they'll do anything to kind of get the guy and don't guys want what they can have. So just, you know, you know, keep your dignity, keep your self-respect, don't pay for them, expect a lot and don't answer their phone right away. Don't answer their text right away. I always say that don't answer, answer it the next day, give it 24 hours. If somebody's texting you at night to go out, you already have plans. You're busy. Even if you are home crying out of loneliness, he doesn't have to know that. No, he doesn't. It's like, be busy. Find things to do. There's plenty. All of us have family, friends, people we need to catch up with, mm-hmm. hang out with. You know, take, a, get up, take up a hobby. You know, right. do something with your time where you're not just sitting and waiting on that call. And then when the text comes, you answer it right back. Or when he calls, you're on, not only on the phone, but on the phone all night. You know what I mean? Just like you just every day early in the relationship, all you're doing is just on the phone for hours. No. Talk 10, 15 minutes. Goodbye. Don't let it be every day. You know what I mean? Limit that because it, the more you do that, the more you get involved in it, the more attached you get. So also pace yourself. Not only send them a message, but pace your heart. Let yourself slowly fall in love. Great advice. I do believe women out there should limit their time with texting, with being on the phone with men. And if any, and if a boy just says, Hey, don't even respond ever, not even 24 hours later, because chances are he's saying, Hey, to 20 other girls to see who's going to respond. Never answer to a, Hey, you only answer to, Hey, what's up? How are you thinking about you? Do you want to go out and don't even, and if it's too late in the day, don't answer it, answer it the next day. In fact, never answer it right away ever. That's no, my rule. Because call me. Because call me. Yes. Call me. Yes. I agree. Okay. So I want to ask you now. This is my favorite thing that I learned about you recently. How did you become a vegan? Like, I, I know you love animals. I get it. And I know you've always loved animals. And I know that when you would come to um, my house for the parties, they would be catered all vegan. All vegan. It was all vegan. Even the things that look like chicken nuggets on skewers. There were seitans. Everything was vegan. You know, I'm not a very strict vegan. I'm actually not even a vegan anymore. I eat fish and I don't eat any meat and I don't eat any cheese, but I do have fish. And once in a blue moon, I'll have a little piece of chicken. I have to choke Uh on it. I choke on the chicken because it grosses me out. But I was told years ago by somebody in Paris that when they stopped eating the chicken or protein, their hair started to like get thin. And that freaked me out. So I, I know. I know now it's bullshit, but, you know, I do that. But I'm, I would say I'm probably 80% vegan. Yeah. But when I do entertain, I like a vegan table. Okay. I just like the way it looks. Yes, I like the way it looks. I like, I like the way I like the way it feels. It feels like good energy. I'm just yeah. putting, you know, you're catering to 30, 50 to 100 people. Who wants to see animals? It's just so gluttonous and gross to me. To me, I'm not, you know, so still, when I do entertain, I do like a vegan table, so nobody has any issues. It's a kindness. How did you become vegan? It's kindness. It's sharing kindness. Is Brad still all vegan? No. He's like me. Oh, y'all, so y'all are the same, like 80% in? 
we're, we're the same. Yeah. Like we don't eat any red meat at all. We rarely eat chicken. And if we do, it's, you know, once in a while, but I do eat fish that I do is I eat fish mm. and, um, you know, but even when I was a vegan, I would have chocolate chip cookies. You know what I mean? Even though there was dairy in it, I would have that. <laughs> I did find my vegan chocolate chip cookies at Bird Bath in New York City. There are a few places like that I did find my vegan when I was really kind of strict about it. Yeah. And then, you know, I loosened up as time went on. But um, I love the idea. I do think there should be rules and regulations on killing animals. Yeah. and breeding them. I think that it's too cheap and it's too accessible and laws need to change on that, which, you know, I don't believe it's realistic for the entire world to become vegan. It's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. But what we can do, like when I hear PETA scream all over the place, I always think you guys are going about it the wrong way. Yeah. You know, why don't you maybe start a little backwards and maybe try to change some laws, how, you know, people are breeding these animals in little cages and, you know, torturing them and, you know, why don't we start with that first? And once we take all that away, you'll get less meat out there. More people will maybe expand their menus. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I, I do agree with, with what you say about PETA. I mean, they can be extreme. I get it. I get it. It's the passion. You know, it's like you almost have to be extreme to get people to just wake up. Right. Um, it's, it's like, you know, you look at Joaquin Phoenix, right? And he is like the perfect vegan spokesperson, right? He's talented. He uses his celebrity, his platform to just, that speech he gave at the Oscars, come on, come on. I was like, yes, weaving, you know, all of the suffering of people and the, you know, the arrogance of men, you know, into the treatment of, uh, you know, of just inhumanity and the, the, you know, the mistreatment of animals. I mean, that speech, I could listen to it every day. I love that because I wish that I could be that eloquent when it comes to trying to convince people or, you know, to, to be vegan. I mean, for you me- You can be that eloquent. Take as many drugs as he does and I'm sure you'll be able <laughs> to be that eloquent. He was, I mean, it was just like, wow. I was just in awe. I loved that moment. It's one of my favorite moments, one of my favorite speeches ever. Um, and he also, he's not just kind of, he's not in your face with it. He's just kind of like, you know, out there, you know, he'll leave, he wore the same suit throughout the whole award season, you know, the same Stella McCartney suit, right. you know, he walks the walk, you know, he leaves an award show and goes to, you know, comfort pigs before they're slaughtered. I mean, this man, come on. And for me, listen, I just had an epiphany you know because I remember being at your store um I can't remember which one but there was a woman that worked for you who is vegan and she was saying to me and at that time I was like it was in one ear and out the other I was compassionate <laughs> but I wasn't hearing her and she was saying that dairy was the worst thing right it was the dairy industry that was the cruelest of them all and I mean I when I left there, it, it stayed with me a little bit, but not enough to give up cheese, right? Not enough to make a big change. And so people have to get there when they're ready. For me, I was, I was kind of moving in that direction. And I did that 22-day challenge that Beyonce and Jay-Z did. I did that like 
five years ago, right? And then I went right back to eating, you know, seafood and everything else. But then I saw something on social media and it was like this ad and it was a black woman who was walking by these animal rights protesters and they handed her a pamphlet um, that talked about all the suffering and everything. And, you know, she carried it home, but it kind of like planted a seed within her. And as she would go out talking to friends, you know, the conversation, like it was a really quick, like two minute ad. They would be talking about things that she was just more aware of, you know, what people were eating. And then she went and you could see her on her computer looking at animals being slaughtered, you know, for our consumption and satisfaction. And then at the very end, you see her with the protesters handing out the pamphlet. And for some reason, Richie, I don't know why, that just spoke to me. And I said, you know what? I'm done. And not only am I going to stop eating animals, I'm not going to wear them. You know, I'm not going to, everything that I do, my clothes, everything is I can't give you shoes anymore. You won't wear leather shoes. No, which I got to start making non-leather shoes if I can find a factory. I know. I have to do that. I can tell you some. There's some great ones out there because I've I've connected and done some stories with some women that have, um, you know, vegan accessories, vegan shoes. Right. And, so know. do you get Stella stuff? Do they ever offer you stuff or do you buy Stella? I love no. Stella. <laughs> I know. See, now here, her stuff is so expensive. And when I, when I used to have a nickname for Stella McCartney and I used to call her Balls McCartney because of her prices. She had balls. So I used to tell them that. I used to go into the showroom in Paris and be like, yeah, we, we call her Balls McCartney. We love her stuff, but they're so expensive. But we did learn that it's more expensive for her to use non-leather materials than it is to use leather. It's yeah. harder to, the factory, it's harder to sew through. And her stuff is really beautiful quality. I'm a huge fan of Stella. And by yeah. the way, getting back to Joaquin Phoenix, I don't have any sympathy for him wearing the same Stella McCartney $3,000 tuxedo all award season. My heart does not go out to him. Throw me something. Throw me that tuxedo. I'll wear it for 10 no, years that's straight. Great. But, um... But yes, they do say it is harder in these, you know, especially in Italy where she makes her shoes to sew those fabrics that she does that looks like leather that's not. So I love that and I do respect that. Yeah. Did your body change when you became a vegan? Yeah. I tell Let me, me tell how, because mine did too. Tell me. Let me tell you, one of the main things um, I was dealing with uh, maybe a, a couple of years before I went vegan was, you know, I, I, I'm a runner, trained for a couple of marathons. Um, and one of my knees was bothering me. And I went to the doctor, he said I had runner's knee. And he was kind of like, it's kind of like, kind of like early arthritis. He was like, but you can work through this, go to physical therapy, but ibuprofen, blah, 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 blah. Physical therapy I did and completed. I was, you know, taking a little bit of ibuprofen. I didn't want to overdo it. The pain got better, but it didn't go away, right? Up the subway stairs, whenever I wore heels, it would hurt. You know, it just bothered me, bothered me, bothered me. I went vegan, that pain went away. Not only that, not only in my knee, but also in my cute little bunions that I love so much that hurt, right? They, they would hurt whenever I would put on high heels, a booty or something. I would have to let my foot just kind of adjust a little bit before I could walk. Now, and, and it was like the bunions were getting, like they, were, they would be swell, swollen. Now they don't bother me. I got so shoes. So are you wearing heels now? You're yeah. wearing heels now. Yes, yes. Because I remember when you were not wearing heels. I yes. remember when you were coming in flats. I mean, yep. and you told me, so wow, it really did help you. 
it really, really made a difference. It really made a difference. And I feel like I am aging backwards. I feel like I've never wow. looked better. <laughs> you look you look like you're aging backwards. I mean, you're timeless. I, no, I'm saying this honestly is you look you're great. So I mean, but anyway, you're young anyway. I'm sure you hear it all the time. I will say when I became a vegan in the beginning, my body really did change. I was never overweight, but I just felt my stomach just like, like just yeah. sucking itself in. And then I find, you know, other people that say they've gained weight being a vegan. And I have a friend of mine, I won't say his name. He says, well, that's a dumb vegan. <laughs> you know, they're probably living on pasta. Yeah. You know, they're eating, they're carb overloading. They're right. eating, you know, too much sugar. Um, right. you're, you're definitely not doing it right. I will tell right. you, my boyfriend, since we've um, been in quarantine, you know. I, I can't see him being a vegan. There's honey, no way he's a vegan. He will not admit it, but he eats vegan all the time. Yeah, and he just doesn't milk, know it probably. Deli, deli cuts, vegan cheese. We get purple carrot. I'm cooking. I cook. This house is a vegan house. I love it. It's and you cook. House. Yeah. And you cook. And, wow. I cook. He cooks. I mean, let me tell you, we, we, he figured out how to make this chicken fried tofu sandwich with a, uh, a vegan um, buffalo slaw. <sighs> it was one of the best things I ever tasted because he loves to cook. And so he loves to figure things out. And so he's eating vegan all the time and never look better. And he just, you know, he's always discovering and sending me recipes and going to the store and bringing back all this vegan stuff. He's a vegan. Which he goes to it. show you how amazing he is. See, I said he was amazing. He's amazing. He is. Tell him I he said hi. I will. I said hi. My favorite thing was when you were leaving my house one night, when you were leaving the townhouse and you guys were running out into a cab, one of my friends runs out and says, hey, girls, where are you going to you and your big burly boyfriend? He's like, hey, girl, where are you going? I'm like, did you just call Jack and Kareem's boyfriend? Hey, girl, I was laughing. And he's so cool that, you know, it's like you kind of want to be around him. You really kind of oh, want to be around him. He's a And you too. Love him. So what advice would you give people? I mean, obviously, you know, veganism is kind of um, there's a lot of things to eat. Everyone thinks that they're so limited. What do I do? I think that's the biggest problem for people to become a vegan. It's their, they feel their menu really does shrink. Yeah. And it doesn't. Oh my God. I had uh, eggplant Parmesan the other night. I made this amazing, uh, ginger, uh, uh, fried rice with, uh, a tandoori um, cauliflower on top of it. I'm like, I, there's so much amazing food. You just have to kind of retrain the way that right. you think about food. People are so intimidated. Most of the things you eat are vegan anyway, right? Fruits and vegetables. And there is a substitute for everything. I Listen, since we've been in this whole um, lockdown, I buy my mother's groceries and, you know, I order them and have them delivered to her in Georgia. Man, she's eating all kinds of plant-based things. And she's so yeah. against it. But now she loves her plant-based milk and cheeses. I even got her um, vegan pork skins, which is a oh. Southern thing. She loves them. Loves them. It, you yeah, just you have see, to retrain your brain and not, it's just, you know, it. and I talk about this, you know, my website is under construction, but we're going to have it back up after the 4th of July. But it is vegansexycool.com. Vegansexycool.com. I talk about all these things about just kind of just rethinking, trying with one meal a day, you know, being on the vegan on the Wait, weekend. what are you saying trying with one meal a day? You mean have one vegan meal a day? Yes. Who doesn't yes. have 
every meal is vegan for me, except for once. Like every meal is vegan. What are you talking about? No, people, but for people that are starting Are there people out. that literally have meat at every, or cheese at every meal? Oh God, are you kidding me? Have you been yeah, to the Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of my meals, if not all, I start off with fruit. I have salad with nuts in it or something or a veggie burger in it. And in the night, same, at night sometimes I'll have fish, but otherwise just a salad with something. Come on, but I eat my man. cookies. I do like my cookies. I never, there isn't a day, twice a day, I, I grab my chocolate cookies, my chocolate-covered grams or my chocolate cookies, and I eat them, but always dark chocolate. I'm going to send you um, this vegan cookie company with this woman who got backing from Jay-Z. Her cookies, Parte cookies, are some of the most, and I'm not a cookie, I'm not a sweets person. These are some of the most delicious cookies, and they're gluten-free, and they, they have none of the like top seven or 11 allergens in them, because she has a daughter who has extreme allergies, so she created right. these cookies, and they are delicious. And vegan. What's the name? What's her name? Partake, P-A-R-T-A-K-E. I like Partake. that. I want to try that. Oh, they're delicious. They're a game changer. And I have these vegan brownies that I get from Whole Foods. I get so vegan um, biscottis. I get my vegan biscottis. I have never done the vegan brownie yet, but I've done the vegan biscottis, the vegan chocolate chip cookies, which are delicious. And I will say it really did change my body. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Definitely. I mean, it's incredible. I was never fat, but all of a sudden my stomach kind of like, you know, when they say that the, the, the fat from the cheese and the meat, I mean, some people say the cheese is actually worse than the meat. I don't know if that's true, but if I it think stays so, in your it body. Causes- it causes because mucus in your body, inflammation, yeah. mucus. So, you know, it's like when, when you get a cold or something, people tell you don't drink milk, don't, don't right. drink any dairy right. because it builds up the mucus. That stuff is in you all the time. Right. And it's like, you know, who's going, I mean, are you feeding your dog breast milk? It's like, right. why are you eating milk from an animal? It's not meant for you. It's, it's not even necessary. There are so many options. I never have. It doesn't matter who's in my house. I always yeah. have. Um, soy milk, I have almond milk, I have organic almond milks because they say there are pesticides in the non. Okay, so we get everything organic, but you don't even need it. Nobody tastes the difference if people no come in. No one knows. There's no one knows. ice cream. It's, come on, man. I, I made know. A chili. I mean, the stuff that it, it's just, it, it's just not necessary. There's so start many Start small. Milk. I say people should just start small in some ways. One meal and, a day. Yeah, one meal a day. Try I don't know, one day a week. <laughs> no, you one can day. do one vegan meal a day. James Cameron, the director, his wife has an organization called One Meal a Day where she's trying to encourage people to at least eat one vegan meal a day. She's got Oprah on her um, bandwagon. Right. And, and she talks about how much water it'll save, how many animals it'll save, and in other ways how it will help the environment. She has a whole movement about this, one meal a day. And I just tell people, even if you're not thinking about doing it, you know, you don't want to become vegan, okay, but just try to do it one meal a day, one plant-based meal a day, and it can change the world. Just look at it as a way of giving charity, of giving back to the world, making the planet a better place for your children. I don't have kids. You know, when I leave here, that's it. But I still care about the planet that I'm leaving behind. That shows what a good person you are. See, because before I had kids, I used to say, when I leave the planet, I hope it all blows up. (laughs) (laughs) That's how bad I was. I I must have been so depressed because I'm like, when I leave here, I want this whole place to go to shit. I want a bomb to hit it. But now that I have kids, oh my goodness, 
the plastic. I don't want to buy them toys. I mean, you see, it's funny, the veganness and the environment, it goes back to everything. I've become, I, I think I always was, but I've become a huge minimalist. I don't like a lot of stuff. I hate plastic. And when I get it, I'm always the anxiety of where you're putting it, you know, how much plastic are we going to use and where is all this garbage going to go? I always think, where is this garbage going to go? I mean, in, in 50 years from now, it's just going to be piled up in front of our homes. I mean, I'm there's going to be nowhere you. to put them. It's a problem. It scares it, me. It's like once you, once I became, and everybody who's, and you probably realize this, you and Brad, you know, once you started eating plant-based, you probably just became more aware of so many things in the world, like as far Absolutely. as environment and, you know, um, waste and plastic, and you just become a better person, a better citizen just because you're around these types of people and you just lean into that more. I mean, yeah. I, I, I got, you know, I'm not buying plastic anymore. I mean, my life has changed completely, completely. What do you do with water? Well, I still have plastic bottles only because of right now during the pandemic, it's just okay. hard to just kind of, you know, switch away from that. But I try to buy a lot of glass. So like do you I, know how many, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, do you know, I'm giving you advice. Do you know how many friends I've turned on to water filters when I became vegan. Before really? I became vegan, I used to get water bottles. So I'd have like three, four, five dozen water bottles above the refrigerator, tons in there. And when I became vegan, I was like, where, where all these empty bottles, I would drink like tons of it. They would yeah. be stacked up. I finally just got a water um, water filter, a beautiful, nice water filter. I'm gonna do I that. have them everywhere. You should do that. You never have to lug it. You never have, to, not that you're lugging it anyway, I'm sure yeah. you have slaves bringing it to your house and putting it in. But still, it's like just ordering it. Where are you going to put it? Here in my New York, in New Jersey, we have the big water filters. We have one in the refrigerator. We have one room temperature. We keep it out, and they make beautiful ones. You never have to buy plastic. You just, you know, I think yeah. it's great. It's a great way to make your life easier and to save plastic. Because I was thinking about getting a filter for the um, faucet. Um, That's good, too. Yeah, but I think I might do. I think I might do that. I think that might. That's a good idea. Cause I, I See, it funny. bothers me. Cause like I yeah. have, I have a lot of glass. Um, but every once in a while, just because you know we have, we'll get a yeah. little plastic here and there. But yeah. I am intentional about like at work when I was going to work. You know, I, I carry a, a, a right. you know container to put my water in. Right. But I started, I started leaning into those things yeah. more um, when possible. Yeah, I think it's all fine, but I think these little tips, if people take to them, they're great. If they don't, that's fine, too. I don't expect anyone to do it, but my friends were thrilled. I mean, one of my friends bought a beautiful designed one, and he keeps it in his house in the Hamptons, and he's yeah. like never has, and he because he would lug his own water bottles, like tons of them, and this yeah. now it's so easy, and it's funny, our home here is all filtered. The whole house is filtered, but I still put the water in a water filter. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I'm used to it. Start doing that. I, I'm glad we actually talked about that. I, I haven't really thought about that, but I think I will. I think that's a I good think it's a, I love it. Did I actually teach you something? You are so smart. I want to like be able to call you for everything. I'm going to be calling you in the middle of the night. Like, oh, my kids are getting on my nerves. They won't go to sleep. And you'll still tell me what to do. No, not with kids. <laughs> Jackie, you are amazing. I remember when I, when you told, when I had my kids, you were like, my favorite thing to do is to get a kid to stop crying. It feels so gratifying when I pick them up and they stop crying. Do you remember you telling me that? Yes, yes. And I remember myself saying, oh, she has such a great perspective on it. So when they would cry, I'd be like, you know, unless it went on for too long. Then I'd be like, shut yeah. up. Stop it. <laughs> 
like me with my dogs, right? <laughs> um, you got to have a sense of humor in life. Otherwise, you know, how much longer can I go on this earth if I can't laugh about stuff? I know. It's true. It is, it is the thing that you have to lean into. You got to find that joy, man. Yep. You really do. And I do. And a big part of my joy is talking to you, Aww. seeing your beautiful face. Uh-huh. And learning from you, you really are a knowledgeable girl. You know a lot about many different topics. I and I think I'm glad your podcast, I want you to, well, first of all, your podcast is the vegan, tell me, tell me the vegan. It's vegan, the vegan sexy cool podcast. Right. And then you also have another podcast, um, read this, read that. Yes. With Joy yes. Reid from with Joy Reid. Yes. And then you also have the sexy cool vegan the vegan well vegan sexy cool is a podcast is a podcast and it's a website and it's a website okay yeah vegan sexy well i look forward to hearing all of them i heard one of your episodes where you got your mom into it so i already knew your mom was kind of into it because Mm -hmm. i I, well she wasn't into it but you got her to try it that was the episode i was on yes i'm working on her and slowly but surely okay she's gonna give it all up (laughs) <laughs> well, I know that you've mentioned your mom. I was supposed to meet her a few times and I never got a chance to, but please tell her that I said hello. I will. And I love seeing you and I can't wait to actually see you in person and your boyfriend. I don't know. Are we I using know. the term boyfriend? We are How using you, the term boyfriend. boyfriend. I mean, no, I mean, boyfriend, partner. I don't know what to use. I, I hate all those terms. <laughs> I but say okay, boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. It works. I can't wait to hang out with both of you and we'll go I out know. for a nice vegan meal. I'm yes, excited about there's that. so many great restaurants that I know Tons. of. I know you all know of, too. too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So until I see you again, hugs and kisses. Well, congratulations on the podcast. I love this. Thank this you. fabulous. Well, thank you. And we're going to come circle back to you because we're going to need to know more stuff. I'm going to write a whole list of questions for you the next time <laughs> on what to do about life because you have experience. You have wisdom. Listen, I have opinions. I got a lot of opinions. I love it. Let me hear the opinions. Let the world hear your opinions. And you know what? Let them take what they can away from it. And whatever they don't want to take, they don't have to. That's what this podcast is about. Listen to me. Take away what you can. Whatever you don't want to take away, fine. Throw it away. Just don't email me bullshit because I'm not reading it anyway. (laughs) Brad wants to say goodbye. (laughs) Hi, all. It's so good to see your faces. I can hear you, but... um... We send our love. I'm embracing. I'm saying it's good to see your face. The kids want it. I've been dying to say hi. Come. Did you hear him? The kids have been dying to say hi to you. They circle around the house. Come here. They circle around this thing now that we have a podcast. Do you want to say hi to my friend on the podcast? Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm not ready. (gasps) They're grown ups. Look at that cute hair. I cut his hair. Love. I've been Hi. cutting everyone's hair. I've been cutting them, all of our hair during the pandemic. Look that hair, it's so cute. No, don't make faces. You're a big boy. Come say hi. Come. Oh my God. <laughs> and here's Grayson. Peace. Okay. Oh my goodness. She like, Grayson, she's very shy. Anything I tell her, but anyway, listen, Jackie's going to help you when you get to your show. It gives you tape, um, tips on dating and tips on dressing. Yes, I am. We'll do brunch one day when everything opens up completely. You know, and I know now it's outdoors, but hopefully we'll get to, you know, be with each other and maybe do a brunch. Yeah. 
That would be nice. That would be nice. I can't believe they're that big. Oh, my God. I know. They're big. They're driving me crazy, but yeah. They're like people with like of they're people. personalities. Well, they're Where are you going? You're not opinions. going out tonight. Yes, that's what I don't like. I like the baby baby. Right? I like when they're, yes, yes. They like and tell you what they like and what they don't like and don't do this and oh my goodness. Jackie, let me tell you, you dodged a bullet. You dodged a bullet. That's what I'm telling you. Listen, nobody called child services. Like I said, don't, don't judge me or criticize me. I'm kidding. Anything I say is probably for a laugh. I don't mean any of it. Anyway, can't wait to see you. Yeah, same. All right. Amen. Send my love to everybody. I know. Same here. Oh, well, I'm you, so babe. glad I saw those faces. It's so good to see you guys. Same here. Bye, babe. Bye, well. Bye. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com. 